0: Uh, hey everybody. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Puppies Podcast. <laughs> not your puppies podcast, bitch. Probably not your mommy's or your tia's or your your comadres. That's the one oh, you want to share. Your with. comadres podcast. Everybody needs a comadre. Do you have a comadre? I do. I have two of them. Bitch, Did I tell you I just fucking watched Harry Potter for the first fucking time in my life? Um, probably both hurt
1: and happy to hear that because i begged you to do a harry potter marathon with me and you completely refused i wanted to begged you to watch game of thrones with me yeah and you completely refused and then i realized i'm missing one thing Mm -hmm. and that's the penis because the only thing that gets you to do something no the only okay what was the reason you watch harry potter because your son wanted to watch it no true why
0: did you start watching
1: game of thrones Because your boyfriend wanted to watch.
0: My boyfriend was watching it, bitch. I went into Game of Thrones season two, episode one. Imagine all that I missed. Well, yeah. I never saw season one. I literally. One is actually pretty fucking good. I've heard. I've heard like the best Game of Thrones is one through three. One through three. And four, like four ish, you know, half of four. It, but no. one, two, three is literally where you got hooked. Exactly. Exactly. Then- so, so I got hooked at two. Right. So I got into like the, the good part of game of Thrones. Um, and then by the time I got in, bitch, I was in and I'm going to binge it. See my boyfriend, my boyfriend watches an episode. He watches it for three minutes and then passes out. And then we have to rewatch. We probably rewatched season four, episode three. I want to say seven times because I did not have the heart to tell him that I was already finished with the whole fucking series. Then I had to pretend like this never happened, like I'm watching it with you, but fuck no.
1: By the last time you were watching the episode, you could have done like a critical analysis of the
0: photography. and. Bitch, I I was like on fucking Google, just like researching and like fucking, yes, exactly. Like doing like deep dives into the characters, bitch. I was doing like their astrology. Remember? I think I told you, I was like, so uh, Khaleesi, what do you think her zodiac sign, which I should ask you now in person, what what do you think her zodiac sign?
1: With her? Hmm. I'm I'm a little torn because mm-hmm. let me tell you why. Mm-hmm. To me, she would be a cancer son because she's very motherly. She likes to mother people, she wants to be like the mother. Mm. If you noticed every single clan or town she took over, she loved being adored as the mother. Okay. And okay. here's the thing. And this is why the majority of serial killers are also cancers. Cancers are, once they hold a grudge, they hold a fucking grudge. And the moment they blow up on you, it's like years and years and years of resentment built up. And they go fucking psychotic. And because they're so passionate, because cancers feel their emotions. So they're going to feel the grudge. They're going to feel this anger. And they're going to fucking kill you. Okay. And what did she do? What did she do? She literally had said, I'm not resentful. Like they did that to my father. They're waiting for me. But what did she do? The, the minute she got to West Ross, she literally became the mad king. She okay. still had all that built up resentment from the fact that as a child, her family yeah. was taken from her. So I wholeheartedly think her son is in cancer. I would say her moon is in Scorpio. Okay, Just because she's very um, strategically conniving. <laughs> okay. okay. I would say her rising is in Gemini because she is also, she tries to act like the good person, but you know, they behind her, she,
0: uh, I, that's what I would pose her to be. Okay, okay, okay. I like that. I like that. Um, I'm going to give you sun and moon. She is, um, I, I like the motherly thing. I think because of the motherly aspect, she wants to show the world. I think because of that, I would agree cancer sun. It's a very motherly sign. It's a very loving sign, but her fucking moon is an Aries bitch. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care what you say. I would even like go in to say that her rising is also an Aries. There is so much fire built inside of her that only manifests when you fuck with her, and she's so reactive, she does not. She is not as strategic as you want to think she is because she is reactive. Especially in that last season that we saw, it was just burn, burn that fucking down. And that is something that I, resonates with me because that's the way I would be, be fucking just burning out oh, you're,
1: you're an Aries sun. I'm, I'm an, an Aries moon. I'm, I'm an, I'm Aries. an Aries moon, and and yet, I I do tend to be reactive. But here's the thing, with my anger and my grudges, if you give me. 10, 5, 15 minutes to myself, mm-hmm. I will forget what the fuck I was mad about. And mm-hmm. a lot of people that have done me wrong, for me, it's easier to just avoid them and act like they don't exist anymore mm-hmm. than to waste my time trying to get back at them. Because no, but when you're hard.
0: reactive, as an airy son, when you're reactive... Not you, but when an Aries son is reactive, fucking all hell breaks loose. We're fucking toddlers. We throw our tantrums. That is true. We don't I measure. We don't measure the disaster that we're about to cause, and that's what she did. She did not measure. Yeah, right? we don't think until after. Um, to your point, possibly Cancer son. I like that Can- Cancer son because she wants to be perceived as a very loving, nurturing person. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm a Cancer Moon, right? So I can, mm-hmm. I, that resonates with me. Um, and and I, ca- I can see that. The thing is that because of her Aries, that's so like, guardado, it's hidden mm-hmm. inside of her. It manifests, and when it manifests, it's all fucking hell loose. And then maybe later she's like, whatever. But I, to me, it's just like, yeah, Cancer, Sun, Aries, Moon, for sure. Double Aries, double. there's just, there's no way she's nothing. Less than that. And no fucking Scorpio. Fuck Scorpio. No, <laughs> Scorpios are just fucking weird. They don't fucking show emotion. Fuck them. Um, if you're a Scorpio, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. You guys know who the fuck you are. You guys know how you guys are. So that's my so, agreement. So, you,
1: know, you know what's funny? Mm, let's see. Let's see. I try to see if they actually had a birthday for her. But I don't I don't mm-hmm. think the author went into that much of a detail. No. Um
0: I bitch, you better know that I fucking went in there and I fucking investigated that myself too. I should
1: have known that about you. (laughs) I'm getting your ability. I need to know their
0: astrology signs.
1: And you have had just another episode of our deep dive into the world of Game of Thrones. Thank you for listening. (laughs)
0: It's probably not gonna happen again, you guys. The fucking last season ruined me. I don't ever want to talk about Game of Thrones again. So that is
1: okay. So are we gonna mark this as the official last time we ever talk about Game of Thrones?
0: First and last time, baby. That's it. Don't ever want to talk about Game of Thrones in my life. Oh, good. Honestly, like, it really made me, that last season just ruined me. How was your research for today? Are you excited? My research, um, you know, know, it was really interesting because I was really pumped for the next episode. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like... Oh, I should do her. I should do her. I should do them. I should do this. I should do that. There's just so many ideas bouncing off. And, um, the one person that I've been thinking about this week, um, I had already heard this story a long time ago. And you know what, sometimes I think about this podcast and I think honestly, like the people that listen to us are probably going to know these stories. Like I, we say those stories that are unspoken of, but honestly, like I feel like people that would be interested in listening to us would probably know all of these stories which makes me a little bit even more self-conscious i'm like well yeah i don't fucking i'm a storyteller i'm not a fucking fact checker i'm not gonna go in there and tell you facts um so but there was this one story that stood out that i'm really pumped about but there was i i went through like a lot of people this week which is fun because I that's where I struggle the most. I'm like, who should I do? Who should I do? And this week was and I got like suggestions from like a lot of people. Like, oh, I've been telling friends about the podcast, and like, oh, this person and this person, and have you heard about this? And I'm like, uh, oh, great ideas. Thank you. Email them. <laughs> Send me a fucking text message later. But yeah, I'm uh I'm excited. But what about you? How's your research?
1: So I also thought about that. I'm like, are we researching people that the listeners to this podcast already know? But then I'm like, okay, we're talking about uh strong women throughout history, right? Women who have made a change. And I'm like, I've always been, since a child, you know, like I remember like going through my Elizabeth the I obsession, my Cleopatra obsession, my uh, Greek goddess obsession, just because I was like so enamored by all of these strong women in my history classes, in my literature. And yet some of these people are people that I've low-key followed, and I know a couple of things about them. But then there's so many more things that I don't know that I'm just like, wow, like mind blown about them. Like, you know, like the last week's story that you told me, I was just like mind blown. Um, even with my own research, I was like mind blown. And I love that aspect because I get to learn something new. Yeah. And I'm like a lot of people are, are going to be like I feel like they're going to be like on my boat where they've always been interested they, they probably like low-key know this person, have probably heard a couple of things about them, but they don't know down to the details, which is like, I think like what my, my thing is, is I get down to the details, whereas you presented more of a story. So we can cater to both. We can cater to people who like to know that the facts, the details get educated on that person. And we can yeah. also cater to those people that want to listen to the story, the life, their, their character, you know?
0: Yeah. I'm great at making character voices. My character usually like, nope, fucking if it's a 1500 royalty, they'll be like, no, bitch. This is what she said. <laughs> Not was quoted in history text. Not, that's what the history tells us This today, is what the Vatican friends. hides. You know what made me feel really good? Uh, recently, I was reading. Um, I actually read this time, and it was somebody that was talking about um, like indigenous, so I don't know if you know this, but like um there is this idea that indigenous peoples never had like scripture or didn't have books or anything like that and all of that is a lie when you know the the fucking whatever the evil people came into the world they took they burned shit down they they burned scripture they got rid of evidence right so when we lose everything as indigenous people what do we have our voice oral history, right? Storytelling. And all of that is passed on to generation to generation, 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 right? Now versions, even when you play telephone versions get, you know, changed or whatever, but the essence, the heart, the meat and the potatoes of a story are always there. And it makes me feel good because I, I am a storyteller. I don't care much about the facts. I care more about the, the experience. You, Google is free. Go Google it, right? Um, I want to tell you a story and... That's how I fucks, and it, it really validated me reading that today. It's, it's it's about how our ancestors did it, and how many Indigenous communities continue practicing and sharing stories and beliefs. And Native Americans still do that to this day. That is how you keep a culture alive. That is how you resist, and and that is a beautiful story to me. So, oral history is valid history, right? And that's and it's beautiful as well. So. With that being said, what do you have for us today, Miss Laura? Okay, so for today's, I'm always excited about them, because I feel like these are all
1: women um, I can look up to, and in one way or another. And so for, for today's, more than anything, if I mispronounce something, I am very sorry, and I want to apologize ahead of time, but... Um, because this is from a, a part of the world that I'm, I'm not too familiar with the language or um, the pronunciations. I did look them up, but the pronunciations were like from um, white sources, so I'm not too sure how correct <laughs> they are. Um, but with that being said, uh, yeah, let me let me get, let me get started into it. By the Ooh, way, I'm so excited. If I mispronounce. I'm very sorry. sorry in advance. Okay. So I'm going to start off by asking you, have you ever heard of Malala Yousafzai?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. She's a bad bitch. Yeah.
1: Okay. 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 All right. So what have you heard about her?
0: Um. Well, she's a kid, right? Like, well, she's probably she what she, she was. was. She was, okay. um, but she was a badass. Um, Very few details. So I'm very, very excited to hear about her life. I know she was, she was a huge, she is a huge advocate, right? For um, education Mm -hmm. and, and her views were seen as radical where she's from. And she even uh, was, was, I think, I believe she was shot. Yeah. So catch me up. What's up?
1: Perfect. All right. So that's it. That was the story, you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. To <laughs> me Okay. Mm-hmm. So she was born in Mingora, Pakistan on July 12th of 1997. So she's actually younger than both of us. Her father is Ziauddin Zai. And... From a young age, he was always determined to give his daughter every single opportunity that the boys had. So he, his, her father has actually uh, been an educational activist his whole life, and he even ran and was a teacher at an all-girls school in their village. So, I mean, from the get-go, I mean, she, her, her dad's a badass. Um, he would, He refers to his daughter as something entirely special. And honestly, he has every right because she is something special. Mm. And he would allow her to stay up late at night and talk about politics even after her brothers had gone to sleep. Mm. So her her dad is like extremely progressive. He's like all about education and empowering his daughter and empowering the other women and the other girls in his village. So imagine like growing up with that as your yeah. You know, your father figure. So in 2008, the Taliban took control of their town in Swat Valley. Mm. And the Taliban banned things like owning televisions, listening to music, and they prohibited girls from going to school. And they started enforcing harsh punishments for those who would go against them. Right. So, in Mingora, which I believe is the name of their town in Swat uh, Valley, the Pakistani Taliban had set up an edict that no girls could attend school after the 15th of January of 2009. But by that time, that they had already blown up more than a hundred girls school. Wow. So not only were they prohibiting them, but they were like blowing up the buildings to ensure that these girls were not able to go get an education. What's the reasoning? So it'll get a little into that um, in the story. For them, it was more of their extremist religious beliefs. Okay. Um. Then really, I think it's more like a um. It's something that wouldn't make sense to somebody.
0: I'm like, right? Yeah, and it wouldn't make sense to us because we don't yeah. live in, in in their culture, right? So. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So. Malala was forced to leave school and, you know, she was forced to say bye to all her friends and her classmates. And she honestly, she she didn't know if she was ever going to see them again, Mm -hmm. because at this point, things were they were not looking good for people in her village. But Malala had something special about her. She was fearless. She is fearless. And I would say any person in these circumstances would have probably been scared Right. Especially if you're like a young girl and you know, you have these extremists that just took control of your town. Um, you'd probably be scared, but she wasn't. She she's truly something special, like her dad said. Malala started speaking out publicly against the extremist control, and she advocated for the right for girls to be able to learn and to go to school. And she was inspired by the founder of Pakistan, Muhammad Ali Jinnah, and twice elected prime minister, Benazir Bhutto. And Malala started speaking about education rights as early as September, 2008. Okay. So her father actually ended up taking her to Peshawar to speak at a local press club. And she gave a speech on how dare the Taliban take away my basic right to education. How
0: old is she in 2008? She has to be like. This
1: is 1997, 2011, 12, 11, 12 years old. Oh, my God.
0: Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. What was I doing at 12, 11? I was being a dumb kid.
1: I was uh, trying on those uh, incredibly sticky lip glosses that every girl had. And I was um, getting those teen magazines and thinking I was so cool for frying my bangs completely straight while the rest of my hair looks like spaghetti. I was
0: probably, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was uh, thinking, I was going through my little punk phase. My parents don't get me. My parents don't understand me. And like listening to good Charlotte probably that was my life in 2008 oh wait wait this is 2008 yeah this was yeah yeah at 12 years old yeah at 12 years old I'm being a dumbass yeah listening to go to Charlotte or something yeah
1: yeah um but you know she was she was better than me and you 100%. she
0: was something special her dad said <laughs> her dad called you know, it up
1: in early 2009 so, right around the time that uh, the Pakistani Taliban said the, um, the edict that no girls were going to attend school, she started writing a blog under a pseudonym for BBC Urdu, detailing her life during the Tehrik-i Taliban Pakistan's occupation of Swat. And this is one of the inserts from her blog. Okay, I had a tr- I had a terrible dream yesterday with military helicopters and the Taliban. I have had such dreams since the launch of the military operation in Swah. My mother made me breakfast and I went off to school. I was afraid going to school because the Taliban had issued an edict banning all girls from attending schools. Only 11 of the 27 pupils attended the class because the number decreased because of the Pakistani Taliban's edict my three friends have shifted to Peshawar, Lahore and Rawalpindi with their families after their edict so at this point she continues to go to school because remember her her dad runs the school so he's a teacher there and he runs the school mm-hmm. and by this point her three best friends have already you know left the town you know, they, they were running for safety for their lives. Mm-hmm. And only 11 of the 27 girls who usually attended actually showed up for school. So in February of 2009, the girls' schools were still closed. So this was after the edict had already taken place. And in solidarity, private schools for boys had decided not to open until February 9th. And after the boys' schools reopened, the Tariq i Taliban Pakistan lifted the restrictions on girls' primary education and they were allowed to do co-education. So they were not allowed to have a girls-only school, but they were allowed to go to a co-ed school. So So the girls-only schools were still closed at this time. And when the Taliban are like, okay, you guys can go to school, but it's going to be a co-ed school. So Malala wrote in her blog that... 70 pupils attended out of 700 who were enrolled. So by this time, people were definitely fearing for their life with, with every right.
0: right. Um, What would you, I mean, I wouldn't say that the Taliban is like anywhere near like cartels. Right. I think it's two different perspectives, two different stories, but I feel like, you know, for, I think for us, the closest thing that we can think of is like a cartel, right? Imagine the setas telling us, you can't go to school. You don't have access to education because you are a woman. Like, that's scary because we know at the end of the day that they do have the capacity and the ability to slaughter our families. And for a child, a child Mm -hmm. to speak out like that and to be so eloquent like that, wow. exactly wow indeed
1: mm-hmm. and okay so in may right so we are do, 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 2009 still so in may of 2009 the pakistani army moved into the region to regain control during the second battle of swa and mingora so their town was evacuated and malala's family was displaced and separated So her dad ended up going to Peshawar to protest and lobby for support uh, while she was sent into the countryside to live with relatives. So her dad, again, her dad is still a badass because after all this time, and like you said, people are scared for their lives and he's continuing. He's like, no, I'm in a protest against you and I'm going to lobby to get support for our government to go in and help us, help the people. And after criticizing the militants at a press conference, her dad started receiving death threats over the radio by a Pakistani Taliban commander. Fuck. So her dad was like on their list. You know, they they knew of him. They knew of his efforts and they're like, he's on our list. And Malala was so inspired by her father's continued activism that she committed to becoming a politician instead of a doctor. Because originally her goal had always been to become a doctor. And Mm. after seeing how persistent her dad had been in the face of fear, she's like, you know what? I'm going to follow in my father's footsteps. And On the 24th of July in 2009, after the Pakistani military had finally pushed the Taliban out of the city, and into the countryside, Malala's family was able to reunite and go home. By the summer of 2010, so we're like a year later. So by the summer of 2010, journalist Adam B. Alec made a New York Times documentary about her life. And the documentary had kind of taken place during 2009. So the documentary, I haven't seen it myself, but from based off of it, you could see a lot of what's happening during 2009 in that documentary. So when this documentary came out, she started to gain more attention because she was giving interviews, written interviews, TV interviews. And in December of 2011, the prime minister, Yousaf Raza Ghiliani, awarded her the National Peace Award for Youth. And by 2012, she was planning to organize the Malala Education Fund Foundation, which would help poor girls be able to attend school. Okay.
0: Right? So, I mean, we're... That's when I remember. That's when I started hearing about her. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. So, this is, we get to the event that makes her internationally known. October 9th, 2012. On her way home from school, a masked gunman got on her school bus and asked, which one of you is Malala? Speak up, otherwise I will shoot you all. Upon being identified, Malala was shot with one bullet, which traveled 18 inches Mm. from the side of her left eye through her neck and landed in her shoulder. During the shooting, two other girls were also shot, and this was obviously an attempted assassination. Uh, The other girls who were shot were Kainat Riaz and Shazia Ramzan, both of whom were stable enough following the shooting to speak to reporters and provide details of the attack. Unfortunately, Malala was not so, you know, Mm. I say this, she was not so lucky. Um, She had to be airlifted to a military hospital in Peshawar, mm-hmm. where doctors were forced to begin operating because her the left portion of her brain had started swelling, and it had um like she had damage. You know, she had damage from the bullet through her head. Uh, by October 15th, she was moved to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham, England, where her treatment and her operations continued, and she finally awoke from her coma on the 17th of October. So I be, I believe it's about 10 days later. Wow. So weeks after her attempted murder, a group of 50 leading Muslim clerics in Pakistan issued a fatwa. So what is a fatwa? A fatwa is a non-binding legal opinion on a point of Islamic law. So they issued this fatwa against those who tried to kill her. So the Terraqi Taliban Pakistan. Were internationally denounced by governments, human rights organizations, and feminist groups. So everybody was like coming to support her and be on her side and denouncing the the uh, the Pakistan Taliban. And um, you know even the Muslim clerks, they're like we're on your side. And what did the uh, Pakistan Taliban do? They responded by further condemning and denouncing Malala and indicating that they had plans for a possible second assassination attempt. Fuck. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unfortunately, she, this girl has literally gone through it. She's been in the face of death. Her life has been on the brink of being stolen from her because of her beliefs that every girl should get an education. Every girl has a right to an education. So we fast forward to 2014.
0: Just the fact that that just her movement to us who are, we are so privileged for having access to education. Like here we are. And and I don't know. It's just to us. It's just like a, such a fucking basic human, right? Having access to education, whether you're anybody. Right. And Oh my gosh! Okay, and then.
1: But <laughs> oh, you're right. It's like what? Like, like I couldn't even fathom like being. Imagine killed.
0: Ariana like que le digan Ariana que no the chingas. You don't get yeah. an education. I
1: would literally grab my child and run to the a place where I feel like they would never be able to find us. Like I I I would be a refugee. Yeah. Um, and, but you know, like I said, she is. She is definitely stronger than me, this girl. So we fast forward to 2014. Um, after many months of surgeries and rehabilitation, she's finally able to join her family in the UK because they had relocated to, to UK. Okay. But Malala made up her mind. She's not going to let the Taliban win. She's not going to let them get the best of her. She's not going to let them... Scare her into hiding, um, which honestly, at this point, you have every right to freaking hide for the rest of your life. Like you literally there was an attempted assassination. You got shot. Um, And she made up her mind. She was going to continue to fight and advocate until every girl could go to school. She established the Malala Fund, which is a a charity dedicated to giving every girl an opportunity to achieve a future she chooses. In 2014, she became the youngest person ever to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. In 2008, she began studying at Oxford University. And in 2020, she graduated from Oxford and she continues to fight for the more than 130 million girls out of school today. You go, Malala. Fuck yes. Currently, she travels the world to meet girls fighting poverty, wars, child marriage, and gender discrimination. And her goal is to ensure all girls receive 12 years of free, safe, and quality education. Mm -hmm. And if you'd like to to find out more about how you can uh, help the fight to get girls educated, or you just want to know more about her story, you can visit Malala.org which is the page for her fund. You can help, you can get yourself educated. And honestly, she's just, um, I'm so happy I researched her. She is, she's such a fucking idol. She is, she is the girl. She's one of those girls that I'm like, if I want my daughter to look up to someone, it's her.
0: And, And it's an, it's a person who hasn't like, you know, she's still alive and she's still advocating. And her story is, you know, she is making history, just her being alive is a, again, resilience. That's, I think my word for tonight is resilience. Like, um, fuck. Yeah. I didn't know. I don't know her story. I just knew like the, asipa encima, like the surface. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm so glad you did this fucking story. What drove you to get to her? So, I've always been interested in her and every now and then
1: she would come up on you know a couple of the Instagram pages I follow um my TikToks every so now and then but I remember I remember hearing about her story back in 2012 um I was in college mm-hmm. and I remember hearing about some girl who got shot by the Taliban uh and I say some girl because back then the night I didn't even pay attention to the name I just remember some girl being shot by the Taliban because she wanted to continue to go to school and at that time I was like oh wow you know it's pretty cool but like, it's pretty ballsy of her to stand up to the Taliban. But then as my daughter's getting older, I'm starting to find myself. that I want to find her these role models that she can Mm -hmm. look up to. Mm -hmm. And this is one that is closer to her age. She's a girl who's currently changing history as we know it. And I was like, this is someone who I'd like my daughter to one day say, I can see myself associating myself with her, you know, I want that. I think that's what drives me to educate myself about all these powerful women is I want my children, not just my daughter. I say my daughter a lot because she's a little bit older, but my son, too. I want them to have these strong women role models to look after because I'm so fucking tired of history continuously like. Eliminating with only men with only men. Oh my mm-hmm. God, George Washington, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I want my kids to fucking have these strong women to look up to. And she's that she, she's literally the embodiment of a strong woman.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, at the end of the day, like just us passing on these stories to our children, we keep them alive. We keep their story vivid. We do not eliminate history. Um, and at uh, the more I grow, the more I'm like, no, we need to talk about these people. We need to talk about their resilience and, and their differences. And, uh, you know, can we, uh, for me, it's like the relatable aspect, right? Can I relate to her story? The answer is not literally, right? I don't think anybody on this side of the nation in the United States oh, could, yeah. right? but we can always come together our common ground is the that that fighter right the the again resilience it's just to me it's just like a person that just refuses to let down and that in itself is powerful and it means so much and you know and if your struggle is is you know going to school and not having i don't know going to school and not having access to textbooks because of whatever reason, then that's your Mm -hmm. fight. And if you want to make that, you know, grab into Malala's story and what she did in order to get, you know, education, which is a lot bigger, right? But you still can say if a 12, 13 year old was able to talk and be so eloquent and fight for this struggle, why can I not do this one simple thing, which is have access to textbook? That's an example, right? So different stories different parts of the world but we all come together within that.
1: So. I agree. I feel like we can all learn a little bit more about what can we do to help those around us get a better education. Because although we might not be facing the same types of circumstances right as as the girls in her village did um and, and probably a lot of girls in the mi- Middle East are still facing that. as as well as around the world, right? We have poverty all around the world. We need to make sure that we educate ourselves on these stories because it's so important to know that we think, oh, I'm just one person. What change can I have? Malala is also just one person. And look at the change she's had. That's right. Don't ever think that just because you're one person, you won't make a change or you don't matter. History is literally made And changed by one single person's actions. Absolutely. And can we talk about daddy though? Like, yes.
0: Come on, dad. Those
1: are goals. If you want to know what type of father you should be to your daughters, that is your role model.
0: Absolutely. You know what's funny is that last week we had a theme which was Catholicism. Mm -hmm. This week we have daddy. We have a daddy theme this week. Mm, 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 Daddy. Yes, daddy. What's that daddy? Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) You know, I love it. I love it when like, like, we're so like, we don't know each other's stories. And then somehow we like tend to have a theme. And so today's, today's theme, you guys is go daddy, go. Um, And so my story also talks about that. Um, about talk. a, yeah. Talk about, your poppy. talk about my poppy. Maybe you can share this with your poppy actually. Um, let me ask you this. What does, do you know the hot sauce Valentina hot sauce? Yeah.
1: I mean, I put it on everything I eat, but yeah. Yeah,
0: Pizza. What else do you, well, I like to put it on pizza. What do you put it on? I
1: put it on my Doritos. I put it on my Mm. fruit. I put it on my eggs. I put it on my beans. Yeah. Mm. My sandia. Valentina and tajin. Um, Mm. What else do I, I put it on. I'm I'm one of those persons that everything has to taste spicy for me
0: for me to eat. Anything, right? Like everything. Mm -hmm. So everything. If you think about it, salsa valentina is like a huge thing, okay? So we obviously know Salsa Valentina. So what is Uh salsa valentina? What is Mulan? And what does a revolution, the Mexican Revolution War have in common?
1: Oh, oh, oh. I know this you one. Know, you know, know this one. one. Eh, eh, eh. All I right. It was. Uh, I know it had some sort of like it was. Um, it was like, uh, like someone had some sort of inspiration, right? Because of like they had to feed their people or something like that. That's as far as my
0: knowledge goes. Give it to me. Just tell me about it. Don't give it to me. I will give it to you. I will give it to you. Mm-mm. All right. Well, let me tell you about a story about a woman, about uh, another resilience girl that loved her daddy so much. Her daddy was a farmer and he was also in the military. Um, and they had a great relationship, right? They looked up, she looked up to him. Um, daddy was everything. And daddy taught her how to shoot. Daddy taught her how to be a woman's woman, right? In the man's world. And so this is a girl that that loved her dad so much that she wanted to honor him. So let me tell you the story of Valentina. Uh, Hold on. Fernando, edit this. So much silence.
1: For those of you who don't know, my cousin is the one who helps us with all the edits. Fernandito.
0: Shout out to Fernando. All right. So her name is Valentina Ramirez Avitia. Okay. Our homegirl today is from Sinaloa. She is born on February 14th. What is that? An Aquarius? Yes. Okay. 1893. So, um, I want to take you back in time. I, I, I don't know how much you know about Mexican history. I don't know much about Mexican history. Um, uh, I wish I did. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, Mexico. I have failed you. I'm a bad representation of a Mexican, but, um, I do know about this one guy. His name was Porfirio Diaz. So Porfirio Diaz was, a. um, he, he ruled Mexico. He was more of like a dictator instead of a president, right? He ruled over, I want to say 31 years and yeah, the,
1: yes. Regime.
0: Yes. Yes. Maybe you can tell us about that. Right. Um, he ruled for 31 years in Mexico and by the 1900s, the early 1900s, people were tired. People were fucking tired. They were done with this shit. We have to remember that. At this point, Mexico has been a pretty new country. It was only less than a hundred years at that time, where, well, actually, it was it was at a hundred years at night by 1910 that Mexico had become its own country, right? Um, Mexico becomes independent in 1810 right? Well, ish, they, that's when they started their independence movement. So it's been about a hundred years. We're in a new country. And that of those hundred of years, we have this one dude that's been ruling for almost half of it. So it's just like, did we elect a King? Did we elect, uh, or did we elect a president here? I thought it was we were a, Democrat, a republic. So people are tired, right? The poor are getting poorer and the rich are getting richer. So, um, but let's go back to Valentina, right? So Mexico is in chaos and Daddy has been he's a, he's currently a farmer, um teaches Valentina how to shoot, how to throw down and Valentina's like Daddy, I will make you proud. I'm gonna make you proud. Just watch. Entonces, ¿qué pasa? Se muere papi. Daddy dies. Oh my god. I know, I know. I hate it because they were so close and he seemed like a good guy, right? So daddy dies and um, Valentina's like, you know what? I'm going to make daddy proud. How am I going to do so? When Valentina was only 17 years old in 1910, she joined the military. Um, Were girls allowed to do that? (laughs) No. No great question. So what did she do? She put on her brother's clothes. Sombrero y todo. She got her trenzas, her braids. She put them right before behind her her hat and she's like, "Fuck it, let's do this." She enlisted into the military and she's like, "All right, let's go kick some ass." Verbatim, that's what she said. And mm-hmm. <laughs> she uh, <laughs> she enlisted in the, in the military and she was so good at what she did that it took her not very long for her to be able to become a lieutenant.
1: Imagine Holy that. shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, she, see, I always thought like the story of Mulan had to be like some Disney made up shit. And now
0: I'm like, what? We have, we have our, our own little, Mulan? We have our own little Mexican Mulan. How exciting is that? And, and I think, I believe Mulan was a real... I think real she was. Person. And I was yeah. like super uneducated in Chinese history. And I, I, I apologize. Bitch. I don't even know Mexican history. Come on now. Um, again, um, so so Valentina goes, right? And so she goes into the military, she dresses up, and she becomes a man, and so she's doing it. She becomes so talented, she becomes a lieutenant, and luego, like every good story, she gets caught. God damn it. What happens?
1: Some guy. Some nosy fucking guy. That happened. That's what yeah,
0: happened. Yeah. No. I mean. Her, her military career comes to an end. They found out she was a girl. Um, sources say. Some sources say. That she had a lover. So. It was. You know. it. it she's more so. Somebody threw her under but the bus. Somebody
1: knew. I'm pretty sure. The, the men near her. Had to know. Fuck men. They had to know. And someone probably got jealous. That some girl was getting more popular than him, higher ranks than him. It had to be some
0: jealous guy. Nobody likes that, right? Imagine, like, I wish we had, like, more documentation about her. Like, you know, it's interesting is that there are really great pictures of her with her, like, her army, her her guns and her shit, like, across her chest, like, very Rambo-style, very Adelita-style. It's badass. Revolutionary style. mm -hmm. If you ever get a chance, definitely check her out. So she was expelled. And you know what the really shitty thing is that for her being, because she even went on like really special missions and she was able to like even, even do some great things. They expel her and it was kind of like dishonorary. So like she never got any compensation. She never got any type of, she wasn't recognized as a veteran. She was pretty much just expelled and yeah, pretty much forgotten. Um, After her being out of the military, she lived a pretty quiet life. She, in 1969, so she was already older, right? She got into a really terrible accident, into a car accident um, that left her pretty much uh, disabled. They ended up bringing her into like a home health care, like a retirement home. Mm -hmm. she and she hated it she was like how can like all my life I've been this badass and I've you know I've been a chingona how can you tie me down and put me in these fucking homes entonces she figured out a way dude she couldn't move she was paralyzed she figured out a way to like escape from the nursing home and just like live a quiet life she just all she wanted to do is live in freedom oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Una verdadera revolucionaria. Completamente, completamente. Um, entonces, ¿qué hace? So she leaves the house and then she um, she finds this little, just this little shitty cardboard houses. like when I tell you cardboard houses, the, that exists in Mexico. I don't know if, in, if you probably live in a better place in Chihuahua, but um, if you live in a city in Mexico, people... The poor are very poor and she couldn't afford anything. She was disabled. She couldn't do anything. So the last years of her life, um, she was living in this little cardboard box and the only source of like electricity or power, or anything she had was just through candles. Like she just lit candles around her little house and everything. And, um, when I was one of her candles kind of threw off and it like lit up and it destroyed her house and she was. Burned inside her house and she died that way alone. Why? Why? Who was there? Where? Yeah. You. Where does, why do you, all your stories? All oh my bad? stories. I, that's what I was telling myself today. I, I mean, like, I know people are bound to, like, I know. oh my stories. So all oh, my, my stories.
1: Last, last week. The lady got betrayed by her own son. Her own son, yeah. And ended up dying alone in some dungeon after like giving birth to like half of the papacy yes, in literally. our history. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. where is the good part? Like where is I mean, the good she part? She was a badass. Um, she was a badass. Um, you guys ruined pe-
0: everything. You know, you know, she was a badass, and people recognized that, right? People people were able to say she was a chingona. She was like, um, she was. She, she deserves a place in history, and she res, she deserves um, to be recognized. Um, there is a movie out about her life, about Valentina. So, and um, which inspired a song, and um, there's a whole song about La Valentina. And it this the so. Now let's get into the hot sauce. The founder of the hot sauce of Valentina, originally. Um, was so, so the dude had just, he had just brought up his own generic brand, but had heard them, had watched the movie and had heard the story of La Valentina. And so he was so compelled that she didn't have a place in history. So he changed the name of his hot sauce to, as a tribute for La Valentina. So there you go. If the hot sauce, if a hot sauce can give tribute to women, mm, I don't know, maybe politicians can do that. Maybe society can give us more of a place. I agree. So. I agree.
1: And it's- um that's so beautiful because you know in in Mexican tradition, it is said that a person's soul continues living in the afterlife as long as they are remembered. Yeah. And so every single tribute memory for us of a loved one of a person from our history our past um it's so beautiful like i mean like you know i i think 99 percent of mexican households carry valentina
0: absolutely and if you don't it's because you're not a real mexican i'm sorry those are the rules i didn't make you don't even have to speak spanish you just have well, to have valentina that's yeah. us
1: Yep. That's that's literally your passport into being a Mexican. That's so, how we all get baptized into Mexican.
0: By having Valentina in your household, you guys are remembering the spirit of Valentina and what she did and what a badass she was. She loved her daddy so much that she was able to be and fight in the war with a bunch of men, become a lieutenant. For her country. That turned or her country. Back on her. They're back on her. Yeah, and like Valentina, there was many women. There were tons, I was, dude. It it always takes me into a fucking mm-hmm. rabbit hole. Like, and Ooh, then las it's las adelitas. Cute. Las adelitas. Yes. There was so many other women that were like, you know, that were in the war dressed as women, and so I'm sorry, dressed as men, and just fighting with men besides them. And and it's just like, who are these women? And there's so yeah. many women that are unaccounted for. Luckily, we have the story of La Valentina, pero. and so yes are they sad stories i feel like most stories of women malala was shot in the face come on now
1: but hers Um, is it 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 gets scary and it is a little sad but
0: it gets better because she's like i'm gonna continue fighting you she did right she did um and that's, and and that's, and that's great. And I feel
1: it you know, did in her own way as well, because even after she got kicked out of the military and, you know,
0: like she, I mean, even just her being sent to, to a, a health care place. And she's just like, fuck, no, I don't want to be here. Take me out of here. Like, I want to be independent. I want to be free. I want to be a free spirit and I can identify with that. I'm just like, I think I'd be the same way. Entonces. It's so sad because can we tell a story of women that have not endured pain? No. In order to be a badass bitch, unfortunately, and I hate it, unfortunately, we have had to see some bad days and probably lived and died a tragic death. And I, I think that's just, a, I think I've become so numb to it. I'm, I am read my stories. I'm like, i mm. I
1: always get super excited with your stories and then incredibly bummed
0: out at the end. (laughs) I know, I know. Maybe we shouldn't start with my stories. (laughs) Maybe we should start with my stories because I feel like your stories are better. It depends on your story. It depends. depends I don't know what to expect from your story. So you can always expect tragedy from mine. Yeah, it's that cancer in you. Yeah, it really does, and I'm becoming so numb to it. I was telling, I was like, I was talking to my thea. I mean thea is the one that told me about it. She's like, oh, "Okay, okay, this story, have you heard of?" I'm like, yeah, "I have, but I don't know the story." So she tells me again. I was like, "I love this story. It's like our very own Mulan." Um, and then I'm like, "Oh, she dies. Damn it!" But they all have died up to here, so it's maybe a theme. I mean, if
1: we're talking about someone born in the 1800s, I, we're gonna rule of thumb they probably dead by now yeah they're all pretty uh, you just don't expect them to die such a sad lonely they day. all die
0: such a sad life and they all die have died alone huh all my women have died yeah. alone what is he um, <laughs> I know
1: so you know what if you guys um if you guys liked our stories you like the women that we've talked about. And you have, or you know, or have heard of women that you would like us to talk about and research, or if you could do the research for us, that would be awesome. But if you want us to go ahead and talk about someone who's very special to you, someone who you're like, okay, the world needs to know about this person, yeah. more people need to be educated, uh, please feel free to email us at podcast at gmail.com.
0: Absolutely. No, and and also like if it's your mom or your auntie or or your grandma mm-hmm. that has a great story that needs to be told, I would love to read that and Did we
1: and... should we start doing like listener stories where we will, you know, Absolutely. take a couple of like stories from our listeners and tell us about Absolutely. women in their life yes. I like And like if you guys like that, feel free to email us and obviously the more we get, you will know that we have the support from you guys and thank you so much for that. And uh, share it. Share it with other people who you feel should um, know about these women. I feel everybody should know about these women. So share with everybody. Like,
0: everybody Mm -hmm. should know about these women. I love this. Yes, please. Let's do this. Let's share the positivity. And hopefully we can find stories that don't end in being alone and dead. Um, (laughs) That would be for me. If I can read those stories, that'd be great. Thank you, guys.
1: Yes. And remember... Well-behaved women rarely make history.